through his suffering, he shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. When Isaiah penned those words, little could he have known what he was saying, at least in the full sense. This text, uttered long before the coming of Christ, was in fact a prophecy of Christ's passion and the monumental work of his atoning for our sins. Through the Lord's sufferings, we were justified. That's the biblical word. We were made right once again ever since the fall of the first man and woman. While the sins we commit now are certainly charged against us, to the extent that we must either have them lifted from our guilty consciences or else remain burdened by them, yet Christ's compensatory sufferings took on the punishment that would be due to them and satisfied God's offended justice. The Holy Gospel, which I just read, calls this Christ's ransom, a term taken from commerce, from the business world, by which one buys an enslaved person. That's an odious reminder to our American ears of slavery, perhaps. But this should make us mindful of the very real and grim reality of the enslaving power sins make for us. When we consider the way the world is going, and I allude to this at the end of my pastor's column today, we can feel a certain helplessness over the current movement away from Christ, away from the church, and from moral truth, along with an ever deeper immersion into corruption and perversity. It seems now that there's no way out of the mire. We've gone too far, it seems, into the mesh and clutches of evil to be able to find a ready way of exit, relief, redress, or correction. No matter where we may turn, to our leaders, to our once more or less reliable institutions, we are finding all things tainted or at least weakened by the malaise and thus incapable of being effective remedies for our distorted world. Now our reaction to this can be mighty defeating I find myself on occasion in a dispirited mood. 
not in despair, of course, but with a somewhat gloomy disposition. This is in view not only of the present straits that we're in, but also in consideration of the fact that there's so little hope to redress the present situation. The future looks grim on many counts, but notably for the work of the church. Everything we hold dear as Catholics is being subject to reevaluation by those who have no concern for the church's primary and fundamental purpose, the salvation of men's souls. All that the church believes and what the church does is being considered only in terms of the prevailing liberal mindset, which is, for the greater part, inimical to our faith. Is the church expected to conform to the ways of the world, capitulating to the status quo? Are the truths of faith and moral living that the church has always taught and insisted upon as necessary to please God and attain salvation now to be adapted, compromised, adjusted according to public opinion? Are our beliefs to be in a state of flux so as to be always agreeable to the fluctuation of the majority. While we may strongly assert the contrary, we have to admit that this is becoming the expectation of the Church, the Catholic Church, and of all Christian groups as well. Instead of directing, admonishing, and sanctifying mankind, The church is now being bullied to become an advocate for the ways of the world. But it is of the very nature of truth, of all truth, and of revealed religious truth in particular, that it is irreformable. That is, it's impossible to change. The strong impetus to modify the unchangeable doctrines of faith and the doctrines of morals, which are based on the immutability of nature, is an attempt to subvert truth itself, to conquer the church, and defy, if not actually to eliminate God from the minds of men. This, then, is not some passing tussle that we're dealing with, but a concerted effort to overturn the entire order of things. But there's one obstacle to the success of this sweeping, metaphysical, moral, and religious revolution, and it is the Catholic Church which our Lord promised would never suffer the gates of hell to prevail against her.
there is this attempt for seismic change in one underlying movement. It is the will of petulant, recalcitrant mankind to have its own way against the express will of God. We have a common, ordinary word for this, sin. And this rebellion is attaining to unheard of heights at this time. And we need to take serious notice of the effects it will probably have for us. However can we hope to reverse this mighty tide of bad will? It's too strong for us. And we feel that we're too feeble to hold it back. There's only one way to combat this advancing march of sinful force in the world. Or rather, there are two ways. The first is to be determined that we ourselves must fight mightily against our own personal sins. This is to say that we must refuse to cooperate with the suggestions posed to us every day by the devil and to be stubbornly, tenaciously attached to the will of God, forbidding ourselves any allowances. The second efficacious thing we can and must do is to make reparation for the innumerable crimes being committed against God in defiance of his laws of religious and moral truth. This is a reparative work by which we become cooperators with Christ, co-redeeming with Christ in a sense, to assist in the work of making things right by taking on a small part in his sufferings. This bold idea, namely that we can join in Christ's redemptive sufferings, is taken from St. Paul. And so far from being despondent, far from feeling helpless in the face of the constant onslaught of wickedness, we should know that we can form a partnership with Christ to make his kingdom of goodness and holiness to prevail. Whether or not this will come about soon, we can't say. But this much we know, any cooperation we make with Christ for the cause of righteousness is a pleasing work to him. That his church will never crumble under the compelling forces of hell. And most important, that in the end, Christ will triumph over every malevolent power.
This is the reason for us to have confidence and to be of good disposition. It's not that we can see now in this troubling obscurity that good will win over evil. In fact, we do not have this in view. But we have the conviction which comes from faith and hope that truth cannot be defeated and that God is the Lord of all. With this in mind, we should make a pledge that we will try more determinedly to be faithful Catholics in our personal as well as in our public lives and that we will pray and make our daily sacrifices for whatever use they may have in the sacred heart of Jesus for the salvation of as many souls as possible. In this pledge, we will be on the winning side as cooperators with Christ in the most important work in the world. And with this hope, we shame-faced sinners will have the consolation that we're helping to do God's work joining hand in hand with our beloved Lord.